Experience the power of 5G with T-Mobile. With faster 5G speeds nationwide, you can upload your favorite videos super fast or game on the go. Plus, T-Mobile has more 5G bars in more places, so you can stay connected to what matters most from almost anywhere. Switch to T-Mobile today, the leader in 5G. T-Mobile has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data 5G speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas, because right now Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the eight-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous Passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving right now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today. Do you like the great outdoors? Are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP. Hey guys, it's Dave from the show. Hey, I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. These are some really great people and some really great companies that have really helped to make this podcast so successful. Hello, welcome to the BonerPlanet.com podcast. Myself, Dave Thomas, tonight with a special guest, uh, Keith Matheny from uh, the Detroit Free Press. Keith, how are you doing tonight? Good, thanks for having me. Hey, Keith, so you wrote an article uh, that I read, and I, I thought it was very interesting. I really want to have you on the show to kind of talk about it. Um, the, artic- the article, um, which uh, launched, obviously, in the sports section of the Detroit Free Press, um, it, it's, the title is Michigan Hunting in Major Decline and Why That Matters. It uh, looks like it, it published on November 10th, 2018. Um, you know, this is an important topic, Keith, and I think it's important that, you know, we all kind of look at this in the, in the situation of what's happening. So I guess, why don't you take us a little bit through your article and just kind of like, you know, what you learn from it? Well, uh, really kind of the, the basis of, of the, the, there's been kind of a general sense that hunting's been on the decline, like anecdotally, if you talk to your friends, if you talk in the communities you might frequent up north, it's kind of been a known thing. But a couple of years ago, a a professor at Michigan Technological University, Rochelle Winkler, took a look at the numbers. Uh, and she actually kind of did this, I under, as I understand it, for the Michigan DNR. And what she looked at were firearm deer licenses uh, throughout Michigan. The, the, one of the nice things about the way we get our deer licenses is you know the county where it was purchased, um, and you can get a little bit of information about the hunter. Um, so she looked at that, and it showed that from a, a, a modern high of 785,000 male firearm deer hunters in 1998, the number of licenses sold for the firearm deer season was down to 621,000 last year. That's like a 21% decline. Wow. And her her numbers also showed that the remaining hunters are are graying. They're getting older with with the 
big majority of them being in their late 40s to late 60s and and just doing the projections about how long people have hunted historically they predict or she predicts that by 2035 that uh high of the late 90s will be cut by more than half wow incredible that is insane Man, that's big numbers. Do you think do you guys think that has anything to do with uh, the the change in Michigan rules or anything like that, or do you guys think it really just has to do with the sport in general? Well, well, speaking to Winkler, the the researcher, and she's looked at a lot of other research out there. By the way, this isn't just a Michigan thing; um, it's kind of happening nationally. And and one of the things that's going on is the historic group that has really driven hunting over a couple of generations now are the baby boomers, the the kids that were born around the end of World War II to like maybe 1960. Um, and 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 she talked a lot about that in the article. Those kids, you know, maybe they grew up in the city, but they were one generation removed from rural areas up north or on a farm. Maybe their grandparents still lived on a farm. So they were kind of connected to the woods maybe a little bit more uh, than than modern generations are. You know, their dad and their uncles maybe fought in World War II or Korea. Uh, they might have fought in Vietnam or they might have been part of the, the draft, which you know, was around until the early 70s. So there was a familiarity with firearms there that I think has definitely gone by the wayside uh, with young people uh, today. Um, so so that same group of people caused the big drive upward in hunting in Michigan and elsewhere. They kind of sustained it over a couple of decades. And now that same group of people is kind of going down uh, as they get older and there's no real generation coming up behind them in any sort of the same kind of numbers uh, to replace them. And and what's kind of really scary about it is they know from from past experience that there's sort of a, a, a an age wall out there. And it and historically it's been around 70. But these baby boomers are so into hunting that they're pushing that wall to the right. They're they're out there hunting even older than that. But there comes a point in time where it's the physical rigors of hunting make it really difficult to keep going out, you know, every fall, every winter. Um, and, and they're going to just drop up almost en masse, you know, at the same time, basically. And then it will probably be a real crisis because, as you know, basically all things the DNR does for uh, wildlife habitat management and, you know, ecological restoration in the state is driven by the sales of those hunting and fishing licenses. This is going on with fishing too, by the way, although not nearly to the same extent uh, as it is with hunting. Yeah. I, I mean, when I look at these numbers and I look at some of the, the, obviously what's been said in the article, uh, I, I agree with it uh, wholeheartedly. I understand that's what's happening. I can see it. You know, when I was a child, um, I'm 37, so I'm not that old, but when I was younger, um, in high school, there's only about two or three kids who actually hunted. Now, again, I'm from an urban area, so that makes a little bit more sense, you know, in the in the southeast Detroit area. But um, everybody knew up north still was hunting. Um, I don't know as far as you know how many were going or whatnot. But one of the concerns I have, uh, and it's always been a fear for me, is getting the youth out. Now, 
Uh, you guys did mention it in the article, but Michigan did change the rules to get youth out earlier now, which I have done, and it has positively worked for me and my friends as far as our kids being able to go and enjoy it while they're young enough to where they, they start to believe it's something they should do every year. Uh, my son had got two deer in a row starting at the age of seven um, and got a turkey, so he wants to go every year now and try to get a deer and or get a turkey, so... Overall, I think that's a very successful program for them to do, especially now, and get, give us a chance to get them out there while they're still young. Um, but, when I, again, when I look at it from a, a level up, uh, from my parents' point of view, I think that that generation uh, maybe tried to get the kids outdoors but didn't work good enough. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because, you know, we weren't seeing deer. Uh, you know, the the... the I don't, I don't really know. I guess when I hunted, we didn't see a lot of deer and, you know, we'd see deer here and there and they're so hard to hunt, especially bow hunting. Um, that I still kept to it obviously till today, but like I could have easily quit, you know, I could have easily said, you know what, forget it. I mean, I don't live on a farm anyway. I live in the city, you know, uh, but I didn't luckily for me, uh, and I got to see it. But one of my fears now is that we have this chronic wasting disease. We got all these issues in Michigan. That's going to make it even harder to get deer because now people can't even bait. They can't even go out and uh, get their kid to see a deer in, in a stand. So that fear for me coming next season is is uh, a realistic fear for Michigan. And I think, you know, this this CWD issue uh, is going to drive into this even worse, in my opinion. Well, I don't think you're wrong. And, and you know, the DNR is really making an effort, understanding that they've got to kind of fill in, you know, for, for this generation that's going to, you know, not – sooner rather than later is going to stop hunting. They've got to, in some way, try to bolster those numbers. And they've really made an effort with, like, I think they have, like, a youth combo license that's just dirt cheap. I think it's seven fifty for yeah, yep. uh, spring turkey, fall turkey, um, uh, firearm deer, bow hunting, uh, trapping, and, uh, like, all fish license. Uh, so it's a really good deal. Um, and, and, you know, obviously they're trying to incentivize getting kids out there, getting families doing the activity together. Um, you know, multiple, we talked to multiple hunters, uh, who talked about their families and, and, you know, we, we hear the story, uh, a dad will say, I try to get all my kids into it. One of them was really into it and just, you know, got his deer and was thrilled by it. Yep, yep. You know, one got a deer and, and didn't feel good about it. Um, and, and, you know, but they talk about how this is the generation that grew, grew up with, video games and electronics and instant gratification on everything. Yeah. And, and to get them to sit still in the woods, uh, and wait for an animal that, you know, you might take more than a day to see is just kind of proving impossible. In some cases, you'd like to think that they could just sit out there and kind of enjoy communing with nature a little bit, but apparently it takes some doing with the sort of mentality that's developed in, 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 you know, these newer generations. I think you're right. And I think, I think it obviously, you know, I mean, life has changed, right? There's no way around it. PCs got in, technology took control. Things have changed dramatically as far as, like you're saying, instant gratification. Um, one of my other things I was thinking about that I don't know if this is the case, but I don't know if you heard anything about this, but do you got, is there any, was anybody say anything or any thoughts about the concept that Michigan raised the actual normal hunting license pricing? I wonder if that would cause people to buy a few less. I understand it's still a generational major issue, but I feel like that could have been, you know, a little bit of the issue too by them raising it. Did you hear any of anything on that? 
I, I, I indeed have, and I've you know since our story ran, I've certainly heard from hunters uh, who've talked about um, the 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 heart, the the bigger cost to hunt. You know, there's there's people who grew up in Michigan who've moved on to other states who uh, like to come back here every year to hunt, and I've heard from some who say they no longer do because it's. I think it's. I, I can't quote you the exact price, but it's over a hundred dollars. Uh, for them to get a hunting license, um, and they're just finding it cost prohibitive to do that. Yeah, well, for sure, because now you have to buy certain ones before you can buy others. So, I mean, when it's all said and done, I mean, I think I, I think my price is around seventy-five to a hundred dollars a year now. Um, and I, that might include some ATV stuff or RV, but you know, right in there, and, and that's pretty much now for the kid thing. I agree, that is an astonishing deal. It's like seven dollars and change, and I get that for my both of my children now, and it works really, really well. Again, getting them outside, and if I can get them on a deer, it's even better. Then they're more excited to come back next year. Um, you know, but again, like you said, you know, it's it's really hard to wean them off of that technology concept and just to get them to pay attention when they're sitting out there relaxed and you know try to just get away from it all, right? The hustle bustle. That's one of the reasons I've always loved it in the city, being from the city, is that, that hustle bustle to get away from it. But, you know, nowadays it's just it's so hard to do. But, yeah, so my fear is my fear is the license is going to be a big driver of the price because I think some people just say forget it. And if they don't have the right equipment yet, they still have to buy all that. Um, some of the numbers I, I was interested in, actually I was going to bring up to you tonight, on our YouTube page, we have over 10 million views. And I, on the people who pay attention to our hunting uh, content videos, which are mainly like product reviews and things like that, maybe some hunts here and there. But mainly the age range is 25 to 55 is their age range. And the majority is somewhere around 30 to 35. Um, and again, that's people looking to buy a bow, people looking at the bow specific uh, in archery. So, and that's that's worldwide. So that's not specific to Michigan, but I, I am curious how that's going to translate you know into michigan now a lot of my friends in michigan another important fact don't hunt in michigan anymore they stop hunting here because of lots of reasons they don't agree with uh they don't agree with the dnr and different reasons uh the baiting stuff the the way the dnr manages the antler restrictions so they go to ohio they go to indiana they go to illinois <laughs> they spend hundreds of dollars to hunt there just because they're after bigger deer in their opinion and you know something a little larger did you hear anything about that i guess where people are just leaving the state to hunt <laughs> I think that's going on too. I've heard from people who aren't. One of the issues I think is uh, where people can hunt. Um, the, the, the DNR does have programs where they try to participate with private landowners and get permission for hunters to go on. Uh, I don't know the extent to which that's widely used. I think a lot of the public areas, there's some dissatisfaction with the quality of perhaps how the DNR is maintaining it uh, for a, uh, a strong deer habitat. And if you get a lot of people trying to hunt the same limited public lands, that's going to scare the deer away, right? So yeah. it's going to make things a lot more difficult to bag a really nice deer. Yeah, it's it's gotten challenging, I think, over the years. I mean, I, I've hunted public lands for a long time when I was younger. Um, I mean, honestly, as soon as I could hunt, all even before that, when I was just sitting out with my brothers and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't think I've ever killed um, – a buck bigger than a six pointer on public land or state land, whatever you want to call it. Uh, when I started bowing or planting back in 2009, uh, luckily I started hunting farms where friends would ask me to come out private farms. And 
I was able to harvest a lot nicer deer on that private land, you know, and, and, and that's one of the biggest beefs I have with, with Michigan is just trying to, like you said, you know, they're, they're trying to get those programs in order and they are getting some, but I don't know what to say there. You know, it's a tricky one, right? It's tricky. Cause it's like, how do they help to get the deer? Do they need to put their own food plots in? Does the state need to put in farms that people can hunt? You know, um, I don't know the answer, but it, it would definitely help. I think in drawing people to, to stick around. Well, certainly going back to the issue of, well, what do we, who do we bring into the sport um, to replace the hunters who are going to be leaving it? Um, there's, there's, I've heard good things about uh, school programs that are now, you know, a lot of schools are getting much more robust archery programs now, uh, trap shooting, things like that. That certainly is going to help because it's going to bring familiarity with handling a weapon. Uh, that, that previous generations maybe had over the generations now. Uh, so I think, definitely think that's a component with it. I heard, uh, one person talking about the, uh, what do they call it? The Hunger Games effect, uh, where, uh, a lot of women are taking up archery because of the, the success of those movies, the Hunger Games, where ah. the lead female character is a, a bow user throughout the, throughout the movies. And that, that apparently got a lot of people interested in it. Yeah, that's that was a that's a really good point. Um, and and I want to say too, you know, this goes against saying that you know all these companies in the industry, uh, archery companies especially, have put a lot of money into marketing. So I don't, you know, I don't think this is an issue based on how much spend is happening. Now I don't know the answer if that spends in the right spot, um, but some of them have. Um, gotten people involved that are uh, in different um, industries. A good example would be uh, Hoyt with uh, Cameron Haynes, uh, you know, and, uh, and or um, Joe Rogan. You know, these people are, are avid hunters and they talk about hunting and do things, but they're, that's not their main thing. I mean, Cameron Haynes is like a workout enthusiast. Joe Rogan's a comedian and, uh, you know, a podcast host, a major one. So I think that the companies are trying their best to try to, and they do realize though, I think that they know that, you know, the sales are going down, you know, as, as, as less and less people hunt, the the more and more sales keep, you know, going lower and lower. And that person who's been buying a bow from Hoyt or Matthews or whoever for 15 plus years, at some point, it's not going to buy another bow. They're going to buy a crossbow. And then that's going to turn in, like you said, they just can't physically go out. And that's that. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully some bigger companies start to do a little more like Carhartt, you know, companies who have a little bit more clout, you know, that have a little bit kind of more funding. So one of the, one of the things we, we focused on in our story is what this is going to mean, especially when that big cohort of, uh, of baby boomers no longer goes out in the woods because we so rely on that money. And, and is it going to be where the DNR focuses a lot of effort on recovering the hunter, or are they going to go to the other outdoor recreation activities that people are doing away from hunting, like paddle boarding and kayaking and using the trails and bird watching? Um, you know, are they going to try to move in that direction to, to look for funding opportunities that were previously covered by licenses? And the director of the DNR, Keith Cray, was telling me they're already looking at ways where they can kind of uh, look at where, look, for example, a trail that people are recreating on uh, just to enjoy in a non-hunting way might also be the way that hunters get into the woods and there may be some opportunity to get different funding streams into, you know, build that and maintaining it. They're looking at private companies that might be doing something somewhere where they can also like fix a wetland or a 
tree stand, uh, you know, in a way that benefits, you know, some goal of the DNRs. So they're they're going to have to like be extremely resourceful about how they deal with, you know, the things they want to do and how they fund it because their big main funding source is going to very much change in the short-term future, not the long-term future. Yeah, that's real deep. That's real deep. And it's a great point. You know, I guess you don't think of that when you're going to lose that funding, you know, what happens next and how much money do they need to survive and and, uh, what, you know, do they just put a general tax on everybody that just goes in your taxes, right? I mean, it's hard to know, but obviously they have to do something. They can't uh, not take care of the natural resources. That's not possible. So taxpayers will pay one way or the other um, somehow. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, you know, what happens when you get an out when you get an out of control deer population? You get you know in the in the areas closer to urban centers, you get a lot more car deer accidents. Uh, you get chronic wasting disease, you know, in southern Michigan. You get bovine tuberculosis, you know, spreading from the wild deer herd to cattle, uh, you know, in northeast uh, Lower Peninsula. So all of those things can be exacerbated by having a deer population that is well-maintained. And how are we going to maintain it if there's way fewer runners out there? I mean, look at the take that's allowed now. You know, in some areas, let you take 10 deer. What can you do with 10 deer, even yeah. if you're an enthusiast? I think, uh, you know, there's talk about maybe we can do a better job supplying, you know, food banks and, and people like that. Uh, with with the harvested deer, uh, but at some point you reach a limit, even with enthusiastic hunters, in terms of what they're able to do, what they want to do, and then what? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I honestly, I I feel like um, there's a huge disconnect between the DNR and what the people want, especially the hunters. I think there's just a major disconnect, and I. I, I reached out to DNR multiple times for different things with no resolve. I actually asked them to be on the show at the uh, Woods and Water Show in Emily City to talk about the new rules that were coming in place, but they said they weren't allowed to do that. So I think there's just a huge disconnect. I don't think they're honestly listening to the hunters and what the hunters want. They're just relying on certain things and not looking at the whole picture. Uh, when it I know they that's their job too, but I feel like there's there's something's not right. You know, if you have hunters leaving the state to go somewhere else to hunt, that tells me something. It, you know, if there's so much disagreement about all these things. Michigan can be one of the best hunting states ever if we just had the right DNR like Ohio. If we had Ohio's team here, it would be a whole different game. We would have large bucks. We'd have people spending thousands of dollars to be here to chase those deer. And, and you know, But it's almost impossible here because of the rules, because of all the land ownerships. There's all small parcels, not big parcels. So it makes it very challenging. These, these tags you're talking about, these unlimited doe tags basically – uh, that just ticks off hunters more than anybody can imagine. No hunter wants to see a, a you know a farmer slaughter 10, 15 deer. You know, I mean, it's just the stupidest. You know, I, I know it's opinion based, but I just I, it just blows my mind. You know, so I, I just feel like there's a lot a lot of places to go with this and a lot more to come. And I'm sure the uh, the DNR is going to do a lot of soul searching coming up because there's gonna, they're going to have to figure out how to fix the issues that are, are happening. And I know science has a lot to do with some of it, but Man, you know, it's, there's got to be a way around it. There's, there's just too much at stake, just too much. Well, when you you look at the metro parks around Detroit, and they will bring in teams of sharpshooters to call a certain amount of deer that they determine they need to, you know, to, to maintain a healthy population, and they just go in and kind of, you know, slaughter them all at once. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, you, you talk to a hunter about that kind of thing, and they get really discouraged because that's taken us even farther in a disconnect from you know the way we used to be connected with nature and our food. Uh, and I asked Keith Cray, are, are we going to get to the point where there aren't enough hunters and we have to start doing that in areas where the deer population is out of control? He vehemently says, we're, you know, they're going to do everything they can to make sure that we never get to that point. But you got to wonder, I mean, what happens when the baby boomers who've always driven hunting are, you know, 77, 80? They're, they're just simply at one point in time and kind of all at once going to not be out there anymore. And it's, you know, then what do we do? Well, I, I 100% agree. I think that it's going to be, uh, um, it's going it's to be a question that is going to happen faster than later. And I think that, you know, it, it, the, the youth, the biggest thing we need to do right now is get the youth behind us moving. And I, I, I really wish Michigan would um, step up when it comes to this regulation. I wish they would honestly go to some of these states who are, have phenomenal hunting and just sit down with them and go through, how are they doing it? Why can they do it and we can't? Like, what is so different about their program that we can't do that here? Is we, are we going to lose money? Are we going to, you know, what's the actual reason? You know, what's, the, what's behind it? It would be nice if we were looking at other states uh, who at least aren't seeing the decline as dramatically as we are and, and find out what they're doing. You know, one of the things I think about, and we kind of touched on this in our story, so what are younger generations into? Well, a lot of them are into, like, organic food, farm to tables becoming a big thing, getting your food locally. Um, I, I think that there's a way to kind of enhance that and exploit that, if you will, and point out how hunting aligns with that. There's nothing more organic than food you've taken in the wild yourself, you know, that was growing and living wild. Uh, that's that's uh, that's farm to table. That's field to table, you know. Um, I, I think, you know, the idea of killing an animal is is, is kind of revolting to, to a certain segment of people. But, but, you know, you can make the argument it's a lot more ethical than going and buying a package of hamburger at Kroger. For sure. Yeah. I think, I think we're, I think some of that does exist today. I'm, I'm very happy with the fact that meat eaters on Netflix. Um, so some of that's definitely out there in the marketplace. There's a, a couple shows, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much good friends with that have like a field to plate concept and it's an amazing concept and they show people how to, you know, take that animal, harvest the animal, you know, um, uh, process the animal, then get it on the plate and put really great recipes and spices. And it's really fun to watch because you get to see it from start to finish. Um, and, I think that people, people are. Um, I think hunters like that kind of stuff. They're okay with it. Some people, I think, are queasy about it. Some people are on the fence about it. Like my wife's a great example. Like she would never go out and shoot a deer herself. She'll go buy a hamburger all day. But and, but she does. She's not against hunting though. So I mean, like that's the thing. I think we're just running into a lot of uh, issues um, through uh, through the world, really, just when it comes to this stuff and, and actual hunting and how people feel about it. I feel like it's gotten a lot more political than I was really hoping it to be. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, and we'll get through it. But, the, the, again, you know, how do you – like you said, how do you reach that youth? Is it an organic concept? Is it even before that? Is it even at the age they are now and at younger ages, like seven to nine? You know, how, how do you – how do you get that in there where it's, it's okay? You know, like people are so against like showing guns off nowadays, doing anything with guns. So how do we get a bow in there? Right. Or some sort of hunting weapon of some sort to like get kids used to that now. Um, or even letting parents open up to that. I mean, honestly, I don't even know a lot of parents who, who hunt. So in that case, right. They're not going to teach your kids how to hunt. They can care less. 
<laughs> maybe the answer is yeah. maybe truly the answer is that DNR is going to have to get money from people walking down a trail. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing that I wonder about too, is if there's a group of young adults out there who are curious about hunting, who see an appeal to hunting, uh, to see an appeal to going out in the woods and, you know, before dawn and even sunset and, and just being out there and, and maybe, you know, getting an animal. Um, but don't even know where to start because they had no dad who showed them how to do it. They had no brothers who showed them how to do it. And they're afraid of looking like a fool. Are those people out there and, and do we need to somehow capture them in some way? You know, I think if you look at the advertisements on TV now for all the gyms, the, the big thing they emphasize is if you come to our gym, nobody's going to mock you and make you feel silly for for where you're at with your fitness and, and what you know how to do now. We'll be happy that you're here and show you how to do better. I think that same kind of element needs to really be emphasized in the hunting community uh, to to folks who are curious about hunting but don't even know where to begin. And obviously the DNR is has a lot of great hunter education programs. You know, there are, are sporting goods stores that have great classes available to people. I think that stuff's just got to really be enhanced and promoted and, and, and let people know, don't worry, you can do it. You know, we'll show you how. Yeah, no, that, that is an excellent point, Keith. I think uh, when, when you look at it from that perspective, you're absolutely right. And here, here's one of the things that's happened in this industry that I've seen since we started this. One of the major um, issues that have come up, and this is, this is real political, but the, one of the major issues that have come up is that uh, companies like ourselves and uh, Hoyt, Matthews, uh, a lot of the bow archery companies I've seen, I'm sure gun companies and knife, knife companies, a big one too, any sort of weaponry has been... Um, What's the word? Uh, we've been uh, uh, held back on Facebook. We've been held back on YouTube. We've been muted, I guess is the best word. Uh, you know, a post that would normally get 10,000 views for a giveaway would get like 100. You know, they, they've really um, taken this to a different level of liberalism, I guess. I don't know what the proper word is, but they've taken it to a whole new level of, of not letting us reach the majority. And that's scary to me. That's really scary because it's like how do you – reach these people when you're, you're being like put into a separate category of, you know, could be a dangerous weapon. So we can't let them post too much or they're showing a dead animal or, you know, it's just real hard. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see, I mean, all the companies went through this and they all had this issue with Facebook and Instagram and I'm not really understanding how we can get there when we're being held back so hard. It's just crazy. That's actually kind of depressing because I, I don't know what the answer is because the, the 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 folks you really need to reach are the folks that are using those types of social media. For and sure. If you can't get your message to them, it's uh, hard. going to take some adaptive ways and, to do it, I guess. And the reason I brought that up is would TV, would magazines that are non-hunting still have that same approach with you, right? So if I here I am with Bowhunter Planet and I say to myself – I'm going to put an advertisement in, I don't know, popular magazine or Oprah or whatever. Would they even accept my advertisement, right? Would they even take that advertisement? If it's not a honey-related magazine, would they even allow me? With not showing a dead deer, not showing a weapon, right? It's just the title, Bow Hunter Planet. Like, would they even let me? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I don't know. I haven't tried it. But those are the things that I think are, are what 
that those are the areas we need to get to. And I don't know how to get there. Um, if they're not going to let you get there, that's kind of scary. <laughs> you know, I don't know the answers either. Yeah. So. so we'll leave that one for someone else to answer Keith. That makes more sense. All right. Well, this article what I do is, know awesome. is what I do know is Michigan, uh, Michigan's economy gets $2.3 billion annually from hunting. Wow. Um, and when you don't have that money, um, but it's people who maybe despise hunting or don't care about hunting are going to notice. Oh, for sure. And that's why I said the DNR needs to step up and get with their hunters and understand what the hunters want. I hate to say it, but like, I, I really, you know, they just need to do it. If it's that kind of money, they, they need to step up. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's not like, we're not talking chump change here. We're talking uh, a very big piece of pie. Um, and for them to, have people disgruntled or upset about anything really makes no sense to me. I mean, they are doing a good job in certain areas. I'm very happy with their videos. They've been putting out their content. They've been putting out new website. They've been working on, uh, what I don't like is they're not working with groups that I've seen at least like, uh, ourselves groups like ourselves. They never reached out once to say, Oh, you're Michigan based. Let's, can you help us here? Or can we promote the, the hunting? I mean, those are things they need to be working on. I mean, obviously if you got that kind of money at stake, uh, that's a no brainer, you know, there's nothing in this industry that's that expensive. So it's definitely worthwhile for them to start looking at everything and getting a part of the community, I guess is my point. So when you have all these companies out there, you know, that are Michigan based, they need to start working with them. How can we do something together? How can we, you know, just makes more sense, I think. And I, I think this article you did was is a huge, huge article. And to get it in the paper is a big deal uh, to get people talking about it and understanding what it's going to happen. I mean, are people ready? Are people ready to pay this tax bill because hunters aren't going to be able to pay it forever? That's that's the question. Are you out there who are, 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 are they prepared? Are they prepared to um, have their forestry programs or their wetland restoration, uh, you know, dramatically curtailed from what's been done in the past? Because there's just not the money to do it anymore. Uh, you know, something tells me the ORV stickers will go up high, higher, higher in price because those people love to ORV. They love what they do. They love their snowmobile in the Upper Peninsula. They love doing that stuff. And and, and something tells me that community is going to get a huge hit in a pill when they go to buy that ORV sticker. I, I just, I could see it already coming and fishing too. I would say Quite fishing would be the harder one too. You know, that one probably get a lot too. Cause I'm sure fish, there's a lot of, I think fishing will last a lot longer than hunting. I, I truly do uh, in the state. Cause it's one of easy. the, one of the interesting things in the, in the demographic information that Michigan tech found is that while there's a pretty you know, there's this dramatic decline in, hunting, you know, male firearm deer hunting with, and obviously male firearm deer hunting is made up like 90% of all hunting historically. Um, women are actually, women hunting is actually on the rise. So, and, and they think it will rise a little bit over the same period where the other, you know, the male side is dropping dramatically. And, and one of the reasons for that, of course, is because back in the day, Almost no women hunted, so yeah. any women additionally who hunt now uh, is is obviously a big increase. Um, so so that's been kind of a positive, um, but it's not happening in the numbers that are going to make any sort of major difference with you know what's being lost. But but you know the DNR is pretty excited about that and, and certainly trying to promote it and keep them in the sport. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, Keith, thanks so much, man, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can go to uh, freep.com. That's F-R-E-E-P.com under uh, under sports section. You can find the article uh, that Keith wrote, and it is it is absolutely amazing, and uh, it's mind-opening. You know, It really does. It just blows your mind when you think about what, what's at stake, and I, I really hope that uh, people learn from this podcast and understand what's happening. Thanks a lot, Keith. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. It's Jamie from the BHP Podcast. Wanted to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors, Skullhooker Racks Inc., Vanguard Outdoors, Beyond the Ears, Crossman, and Stealth Cam. These sponsors are the rock behind our awesome podcast. Make sure and check them out. Hey, guys. Can't get enough of the Boner Plant Podcast? You need more episodes? Well, check us out on Patreon.com. Go to patreon.com slash bhppodcast to join the Golden Arrow Club and get exclusive access to new episodes every week. Celebrating the rich tradition of bow hunting for over 31 years, Vanguard is proud to be the official optic and hunting pack of Bowhunter Planet. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. Experience the power of 5G with T-Mobile. With faster 5G speeds nationwide, you can upload your favorite videos super fast or game on the go. Plus, T-Mobile has more 5G bars in more places, so you can stay connected to what matters most from almost anywhere. Switch to T-Mobile today, the leader in 5G. T-Mobile has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data 5G speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas, because right now, Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the eight-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving right now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today.